I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Well, wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this. Talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. Welcome back to another episode of Thanks for Coming In. I'm your host, Jillian Clare. Thanks for tuning in today on this wonderful Thursday, or whatever day it is you're listening to it. The show just comes out on Thursday. I'm being deist. Today on the show, we have Shelby Young. You may know her from American Horror Story, The Social Network, or as Princess Leia in Star Wars Forces of Destiny. Shelby and I have known each other for a very long time since we were wee children in this industry. And it was really great to catch up with her. And uh, here's that conversation. Hello to Shelby. Hello. How are you on this fine quarantine day? Oh, you know, the same as yesterday and the day before and the day before <laughs> and the past couple months. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I feel that. But you've been able to work from home, which is nice. I have. I feel really lucky about that. Um, I, I've switched over to voiceover mainly. I still do mocap, which that I haven't really been able to do much from home. <laughs> but yes, I, I, I have now a home studio and I'm, I've thankfully been able to continue working throughout all this craziness. That's so nice. Yeah. It's got to take up like a good amount of your time too. I mean, you're constantly doing stuff. Yeah, I feel very lucky. I've been super busy, um, but I am terrible when I have downtime. So I am very thankful for that because <laughs> on the days when I don't have anything to do or if I have just one quick session in the morning and then nothing for the rest of the day, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm making <laughs> just 
I think I'm mainly just on TikTok. <laughs> I've seen your TikTok videos and I got to tell you, the Siri voice freaks me out so much because it's so on point. Well, thank you very much, Jillian. <laughs> no, no, that's, like, that's a robot. I don't like it. <laughs> How do you do that? I have absolutely no idea. Um, it's just something I realized I could do because I've done it for a few. I do something um, called looping or ADR for anybody that's not listening. Basically, we'll uh, take a movie or a, a TV show that's in post-production and we'll be the voices of the crowds that you see or the, the background actors who can't actually be speaking on set. But it would mm -hmm. be really weird if you're watching a movie and the main character is in a mall and it's just dead silent. <laughs> so we go in afterwards and it's mainly improv, but sometimes there'll be specific cues that we'll have. So sometimes I'll do like a, a, a phone recording or an announcement that's robotic. And it was something I just tried one day and it definitely wasn't that good the first time, but then I was like, this is fun. And I just kept working on it. And now it's become this weird little <laughs> thing that I did do. Did you like freak yourself out when you first did it? Because I feel like I'd freak myself out. That one didn't freak me out as much as when I found out I could cry and sound like a baby. That was when what? I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That is crazy. I can't, my voice freaks me out in general. So I, I don't know how you do stuff like that because I think it's amazing. It's something you definitely have to get used to as a voice actor is hearing your voice a lot. And that's something that even now when I record my own like outgoing voicemail message, I hate my voice. But then <laughs> for some reason when it's my voice, but a character, I can accept it. <laughs> that makes sense. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Um, so going back, you started, I mean, you and I kind of started together a long time ago when we were babies. I think we officially met when we were, what, like 12 or 13, but we had both been yeah. already acting. So what got you into acting when you were a kid? Yeah, I sort of fell into it. So I started in Florida, which is where I'm from and thankfully escaped from. Um, <laughs> but when I was a really little kid, my mom one day just saw an ad in the paper for a pageant and we went just for fun and it was one of those things where we didn't expect anything would happen. I was wearing like hand-me-down clothes from my older cousin and party dress, but I ended up winning. Nice. And then, yeah, right. And then we continued on to a few more pageants and then the world was not for us, but some of the judges, I guess, I don't remember any of this, thankfully. Um, I was too little, but some of the judges, I guess, were uh, print and commercial agents who hmm. talked to my mom about wanting to represent me. And so when I was around five, my mom was like, all right, let's give it a shot because I was always a little ham and I loved being on <laughs> family videos and I'd perform for my family all the time. So that happened and I started working in Florida, but I really wanted to do um, theater when I was a little kid. Mm. So my agents were like, go to New York, which from Florida, it's not that big of a trip. So yeah, I mean, isn't that where like, that's normal how people retire to like people in New yeah. York down to Florida and all that. Exactly. It's usually, yeah, the opposite. You start in New York and you end up in Florida. <laughs> but uh, we, so we went to uh, New York and I didn't really find that much success with theater, but I did start booking some independent films and that wasn't mm -hmm. even something we'd really thought about with TV and film. But then my agents there were like, go to California. <laughs> so <then laughs> They're just sending you everywhere. Right. So that's when I met you uh, was when I moved out here. Cause yeah, I moved out here right when I was turning 13. Um, Which is bizarre. How did we get so old? 
Right? I still feel like I'm 13. I don't right? accept that I'm in my late 20s now. Like, No. <laughs> I feel like we're still like 15, 16, like hanging out at City Walk in Oakwood and oh, like, man. you Oakwood. know? <laughs> oh, the good old days. Right? <laughs> but yeah, no, I agree. I also think that's kind of one of the perks of our jobs is because we play pretend for a living. We never have to 100% grow up in the way that yeah. other people that have office jobs do. Um, I don't know I, how people do office jobs. I think I'd go insane. I was going to say more power to those people. Like one of my <laughs> best friends I grew up with uh, got involved in banking and she loves it. And I'm oh like, gosh. we are such different people, but <laughs> I I couldn't do it. First of all, I'm terrible at math, but also, yeah, I'd go. Girl, same. It is bad. <laughs> but then there are people on the opposite spectrum that look at what we do and they're like, I could never do that. Like that seems ridiculous. So I know <laughs> I talk to some people and they're like, how do you live not knowing like when you're going to work again? And I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, that's just, that's my life. I don't understand. <laughs> that's why I have a generalized anxiety disorder. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. So you move out here and um, you integrate yourself into Los Angeles and you start doing more film and TV. And um, then what? Then you've just gone on to do so many things. I mean, we, you worked a lot when we were growing up too. Yeah, I I did. And I'm very grateful for that. I, I did. I jumped around a bunch. I never was like one of those actors that had a TV series or mm-hmm. anything like that. I kind of just would guest star on shows. And, and it was a really fun career. Of course, you know, you always want that. Like you have that job, you know, that job security, you're going to be yep. working for these months. But it was also really nice to kind of get to stretch my wings and play such completely different characters mm-hmm. week or month to month sometimes. But yeah, so I, I did start with uh, on camera out here, um, and I, I was very lucky to have some pretty cool projects. Like American Horror Story was probably my favorite thing I worked on on Just camera. Just the best. <laughs> yeah, that one was amazing. Uh, Social Network, that was an unreal experience. It was only... How, I was going to say, how was that? Oh, man. Like, truly. It was, it was so... It was cool. It was overwhelming, because I was, I was 17, I think, when I booked mm-hmm. that. Uh, playing a little bit older and it was crazy because I went in for two characters and the one I thought I was like oh if I'm gonna book one I think it'll be this one just because she was closer in age to me was like this party girl and then the character I ended up booking KC was just a bit more college studious analytical in the audition and I kind of dressed myself up a little bit I wore a button-down shirt I remember and when I got the call that I booked it, I needed to be on set the next day. And they oh were like, God. and Mr. Fincher requests that she wears what she wore to the audition, which I was like, what? What? so I wore my own clothes in the movie. They gave me a jacket and different shoes. Um, <laughs> it was my jeans, my button down shirt. So I felt really comfortable. They had me do my hair the same. I had, I had it in a bun. Um, That's amazing. I've actually had that happen once too. I had like a movie that I booked and the, the costume designer took, uh, you know, put me in all these different things and they took pictures and sent it to the director. And he was like, but why don't you just take Jillian shopping? Because I like her style. And I was like, wow, <laughs> that's <what>? cool. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it was it was just unreal. But working with David Fincher was I mean, it, I, I'm such a fan of his that it was, yeah. it was amazing. And he's so technical down to like saying lift your eyebrow on this line and whatnot. Really? And, yeah. And he he got what he needed out of that scene but it was really it was one one scene out of the whole film it was kind of a pivotal moment which I didn't realize at the time but it's when uh I'm first showing Max Minghella's character Facebook and mm-hmm. that's kind of what sets off a lot of a chain of action but uh yeah I was there for the entire day we did about 60 65 takes 
uh per shot (laughs) holy crap yeah it was nuts but uh a story i've told this before but it still it's one that i'm like oh my gosh i i I facepalm every time but (laughs) the original line i have a line about like i hope it's cats that look like hitler when i get this email just being sarcastic Mm -hmm. and the original line was something different and then this man comes up and says we're gonna change the line and i'm like oh my gosh won't aaron sorkin mind like yeah i don't want (laughs) to offend him and then this guy is like Hi, I'm Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> oh my god! And I was like, "Oh, yep, I know your name, but apparently, I did not know your face." And this is oh weird. no, I would I would have flipped out. The West Wing is like my favorite show. I would have cried. Yep, it was pretty embarrassing, but everybody was so sweet and and really kind, and all the actors were great to work with. I mean, Max Minghella was just an angel, and I met Army Hammer that day, and he's mm. super, super sweet and very handsome. So uh, handsome. He also just, he's one of those guys that looks like, just like a good dude, you know? Yeah, and he, I mean, he came, it was a one short day, but he came across that way completely as well, so I, I, I'm a fan of his, but it was, it was a crazy whirlwind experience, and it didn't even feel like it was real, and then... Mm. Because I was only in that one scene, I was panicking after of like, oh my God, are they going to cut me from the movie? What if they right. don't like what I did? But then when I got an invite to go to a screening, like a friends and family screening, I was like, I have a good feeling I am in the film. <laughs> I made it. They kept me. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was so cool. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. But yeah, so... I did. I hopped around and just had, had guest stars and parts in all these different films. And then I was lucky to lead some really cool indie films that took mm. me out of LA filming on location. Um, Those are the then, best ones. Yeah, they're so fun. And it almost feels like summer camp in a way. Yeah, and it really like helps with creating those relationships with other actors and oh. and it really just immerses you in the experience. I love out of state filming. Completely. I do. Uh, I, I do too. But yeah, it just... That all kind of then, sorry, this is long-winded. No, no, no. I like this. (laughs) It led to, through my on-camera reps, I auditioned for a motion capture video game, which Mm -hmm. again, for anybody that's listening, I don't know your audience, so I don't know if they know all (laughs) the terms. I don't know my audience either. It's fine. (laughs) So motion capture is basically, and they use it for a lot of video a lot of video games now and they they use it for some films like Avatar and Elite mm-hmm. Battle Angel but basically along with just your voice they put you in this suit that has all these they're called markers but it they look like almost tiny tiny little reflective ping pong balls all over your uh all over your suit and then they put dots all over your face and then mm-hmm. this like head cam that looks kind of like headgear and a weird helmet <laughs> but that way they're able to not only uh, get your voice but they get your body movements and your facial movements and muscles and 
Uh, they can sometimes use that to make a character look just like you, or they'll have a character model already and then it'll just move like you, which is crazy. That's got to be kind of weird, right? Like moving around in this weird suit and dots on your face. Yeah, it's the first time I did it. It was the strangest thing that first day. <laughs> but again, it's they called action and it wasn't I, I wasn't there. I was in the scene, even though I was in a completely empty room devoid of any props. There were there was a couple props that they had built out of uh, like wooden planks and piping. Mm. But it was it's truly and this is why I love mocap so much. It's truly a way that you are 100 percent using your imagination. It is a mixture of theater on camera and voiceover because you are performing the scene in its full it's in, in its entirety if if anybody messes up a line they have to cut and start from the top which you don't really Whoa. have that option in theater if you mess up a line you kind of have to fumble through and keep going but it feels it, it reminds me of theater in that aspect that you go start to stop but then it is also like a film minus the fact that you do not have to worry about lighting or what you look like <laughs> it's amazing that is nice um and everybody looks so silly too that there is no egos in mocap which is really nice because it's all really just playing pretend um but yeah so i had this audition for this game that i ended up booking and it was my first foray into that world i had done some voiceover stuff as a kid in new york um I did a few like uh, Lucky Charms and trick mm -hmm. commercials, but it was something when I was a kid that I just didn't realize could be a career. And I don't know why, but I was a kid. So I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> um, so once I did that game, I was like, whoa, I love this. But it still took a couple of years before I really realized like, wait, wait, no, like I love this. Like, this is what I want to be doing. Wow. So I... I bugged my my on-camera management team to get me a meeting with some voiceover agencies. And it's a really, really competitive field. I met with a couple and they passed or I didn't like them or whatever it was. And then finally I met with my agency and it was just the perfect combination of I loved them and they really were looking for someone in my age range who had motion capture experience already because it's becoming such a big world now. Yeah, it's um, a huge world. Yeah, yeah, it's been nuts. But so I, I signed with them a few years ago and it's just kind of been, it took off from there and then... Yeah, I, I, I will never say any door is closed, but I have fully shifted my attention. I was gonna to ask, are you are you done with on camera acting or would you do it if somebody came to you and was like, We want you to be in this? Yeah, if the right project came along, I would a hundred percent be open to it. I'm also never like I would never say I'm never gonna audition for anything ever again. Mm -hmm. Except right now my focus has shifted so much to voiceover and I was just finding myself getting really frustrated with on camera because the reasons that I was getting for why I wasn't booking roles were things like uh, she wasn't the right look or she wasn't skinny enough or she wasn't this or she wasn't that, which. Oh, don't you love being told you're not skinny enough? It's just oh, my favorite yeah. thing to hear all the time. It's great. Right. I mean, there are some there's some beautiful, beautiful things about the on camera world and the art that comes out of it is amazing. But there's some really mm -hmm. insidious things, especially for women in, in our industry. And I just got really tired of it. And I got to a point in my life where I realized I was working more in voiceover anyway. I was enjoying the process more. It didn't matter what I looked like. Sometimes, again, for mocap, they do want you to look a certain way. Right. But it's, it's not because of a beauty standard. It's because of this is what the character looks like. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I play aliens and little boys and <laughs> dogs and babies. And I, I just feel like I've also gotten to stretch my uh, stretch my, my, I don't know what the word is. My creative gifts, but my creative 
Yeah, totally. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm learning every day that I'm playing these characters I never would have been able to do on camera. But yeah. again, I feel like it sounds like I'm just shit talking on camera. And that is <laughs> because I really do look back at the career I had in the on camera world. And I look back at it very fondly. And again, it's something that maybe in a couple of years, I'll totally feel even more confident with myself and that those notes won't bother me and I'll right. pop back in. So yeah, I mean, the, the on camera world is so like you said, insidious in some aspects of it. And it can get overwhelming. Yeah. And it was something that I'd been doing since I was five. And so it just felt like, and I'd never taken a break. I mean, I go on maybe a vacation for a week in the year, but it just, it was something that I just felt like I wasn't giving it my all. And then I felt Mm -hmm. like not only was that me wasting my time, but then I was wasting time of the people I was auditioning for. I was wasting my on camera reps time. And there were other people that I felt like were hungrier for it than I was in that moment. So I wanted to take a step back and focus on what I am really hungry for, which is voiceover. That's like really insightful though. (laughs) Like very insightful of you to be able to say, you know what, I'm taking a moment. I'm going to do this because I like this better right now. Yeah. It's really scary as an actor too, just because so something that I've always felt is like your agent's and you should feel like a partnership. But I mm-hmm. feel like something that a lot of actors, myself included, get stuck on is that you feel like you work for your agent. Right. So you don't want to let them down. And that was a big thing for me is I didn't want to let anybody down. So it was it was really a good like year or so that I wasn't happy doing on camera or auditioning for on camera. I also I attribute to that I wasn't working that much in on camera that year. So I'm sure I'm yeah. sure if I was <laughs> yeah, that always helps. amazing film sets would be different. But it was just something where you need to love the process because you might not work for a year or two years, even with voiceover. Mm-hmm. There are lulls, but I still love the auditioning process. And that was the big shift for me, whereas I was like when I I was getting an on-camera because they all became self-taped. But when I was getting an on-camera yep. self-tape audition, I would be like, oh, I have to tape this today. But then I'd get a voiceover audition. I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm recording this today. This is awesome. And that oh, was, wow. I was like, oh, there's, that's, that's a sign. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a big sign. I know I still get that way about some on-camera auditions, but mostly because I'm so sick of self-taping and not being able to meet the casting directors in person and actually be able to like talk to them. Because I feel like that is a huge part of the casting process. And when you're doing so many self-tapes, it's like, but where is that connection? And how do you know, you know, if you're doing something right? Like if I have a question, I can't, you know, just send it to my manager. And then the manager goes and asks the casting director. And it's just like this long process. Like if I want to ask something, I want to be able to ask the casting director. Totally, totally. And it's interesting just because with voiceover, it is also pretty much just from home. Every now and then before coronavirus, of course, there would sometimes be auditions where I'd go into Nickelodeon or I'd go into the studio, especially with MoCap. A lot of those are in person. But for the most part, it is self-direction. And that is the scariest part of auditioning for voiceover as well. But something I have found that helps, and I probably should have done this for on camera too, Hmm. but I didn't. It was instead of trying to be right like of course you read the specs and you want to fit what the character is if, if it's a little 12 year old you're not going to sound like an 80 year old smoke a lady so that doing this voice for them but <laughs> I instead of focusing on like how do I make this right for what they want I started thinking oh I feel like she'd sound like this and I would maybe sometimes say a line out loud that would make me laugh and it might have been really weird and I <laughs> hate it but I liked it and it made me laugh so I'm gonna send it and I did feel and I still do feel a shift with the jobs that I've been getting are the ones where instead of focusing on like, let me make sure I, I get this right. I think mm-hmm. about let me have fun with it. And how would I do it? Because how I do it 
no one's going to do it like me. Just like I couldn't do right. it like a million because we're different people. 100%. But that brings me to Leia because you have to – do you make your voice sound like Carrie Fisher? Because, hi, you are Princess Leia, and that's like the coolest <laughs> thing in the entire world. Thanks. Yeah, I do. Uh, so for that character, focusing on her strength and 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 finding – who she is as a character was I feel like what was most important but I of mm-hmm. course wanted to pay homage to her voice and 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 the beautiful character that Carrie Fisher created so I mm-hmm. did a lot of research and rewatched scene after scene of all of the films and interviews with oh, Carrie Fisher darn you had to watch Star Wars over and over I know I was like this is the best homework ever <laughs> right <laughs> But yeah, it's it's something it's kind of like uh, when we were talking about the Siri voice, it's a muscle that I didn't know I had for a long time. But another aspect of what I do is voice matching. This this isn't exactly voice matching, but oftentimes I will be hired because I can make myself sound exactly like a celebrity actor that isn't available what? to fill in. So I will fill in for them for a couple lines or sometimes some fight sounds or for a trailer um but it's oh a my really, gosh yeah it's a really weird thing that I also did not know I could do until <laughs> I tried and then was like oh I can do this cool <laughs> wow yeah that's cr- I mean it kind of makes sense though because you've always been an amazing singer and that, I feel like that's a lot of the same muscles that you're using you're just using them differently now thank you yeah I guess so it's funny I feel like there's just so many weird tricks I can do with my voice I never knew that I cannot do with any other part of my body like dancing nope absolutely not (laughs) so it all just went to the vocal cords (laughs) all the talent went straight into the vocal cords and the face and everything else just (laughs) went out the window hey there this is Justin Bartha I made a funny new podcast King of the Egg Cream it has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black I'm torn by my feelings for two women Bobby Cannavale you can eat it or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Um, all right. So on this show, we like to share uh, heartbreaking stories, sometimes happy ones, but the heartbreaking ones are the more fun ones, in my opinion. Um, do you have a story like that? I do. Uh, I have two. But the one that I will share that I don't think people know, because the other one a lot of people know, mm-hmm. um, I was down to the final three to be Alice in Twilight. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Which would have been crazy and I like life changing. It could have it would have been life changing and it's one of those things where I never want to like sit around moping of what could have been because right. I am really happy with like I love my boyfriend and I have three amazing cats and I love where I'm at with my career and it's like it could have been so much better in different ways or it could have mm-hmm. been so much worse. Maybe I would have never met my boyfriend and I'd be sad. Maybe yeah. I would have not been able to adopt cats because I'd be traveling too much. Like, I don't know. There's so many if, ands, or buts, but it was crazy. I went in, I, I had the haircut for Alice already, not because of Twilight, but be- honestly, it might've been because of the books, not oh. even auditioning for Twilight, but I was obsessed 
obsessed with Twilight. <laughs> I loved Alice. I loved Bella, of course, but I loved Alice so much. I thought she was so cute, but I got the audition for Twilight and I freaked mm-hmm. out. And As I one in, would. Right? And I, I went in, I had worked with Catherine Hardwicky actually for an ADR voice matching thing. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. That's good. Yeah, this was before my real VO career had started. I had already done a little bit of looping when I first moved out to California, just randomly through. I was with CESD at the time, and they were like, take this looping class and (laughs) do on the side. And I'm like, okay, cool. And it it worked out and turned into a job and whatever. So I I worked with Catherine Hardwicky on the Nativity Story. And there was this really, was it the nativity story, that one? Yeah. There was this really heartbreaking scene where this girl is getting taken away from her family and I had to just scream and cry and Mm. I had basically an emotional breakdown in the room. So Catherine Hardwicky was really happy with my work and I guess had me in mind when she was directing the first Twilight, which was really cool. I mean, that's amazing. You really made an impression. Yeah, it was it was awesome. Um, I, I'm obsessed with 13. That movie is one of my favorite movies still. Oh, it's great. Today. So yes. So even getting that opportunity was nuts, but I go in and I went back in and I remember I'm in the, in the waiting room and in walks Kristen Stewart. Oh my God. <laughs> and we just chat and she's super cool. And she wasn't like the star that she is today yet. She had done some great films and already had a name for herself, but it wasn't like meeting Hollywood royalty yet. But I No, was- no, not yet. I mean, yeah. I remember back then it was like, I knew her best from like fierce people, mm-hmm. <laughs> not from anything else. I loved her in Panic Room. That was like, yeah, that was <laughs> but, so good. But I was still really excited because I don't think they'd announced that she was officially Bella yet, but it was oh. like an insider thing like the industry people knew I think but it just wasn't a fully announced kind of like how everybody knew that Jennifer Lawrence was going to be Katniss before they right. said it officially um so when I saw her there I was like oh this is a really good sign <laughs> <laughs> so I went in I did that whatnot and then I find out oh they really like you oh yep they might bring you back in oh no they're not going to bring you back in but you're still in the mix oh it's down to you and two other girls this is that and then I got the call that unfortunately, I because I was actually a teenager, they were worried that I would age throughout the film, and they found they wanted it to be as I, I was going to say realistic, but vampires <laughs> aren't realistic. But they wanted to keep to that lore that they are forever the same age as they would look in the first film to the last mm. film, and they knew that it would take years of filming. And so, little did they know that weirdly, my face has pre- pretty much stayed the same since I was. <laughs> <laughs> So you're like, works. excuse me, I uh, just want to let you know, my face doesn't age, so it's fine. Right. <laughs> and I'm very thankful for that. Thank you, mom. <laughs> but no, I, I I totally understood. Of course, I was absolutely crushed. Mm. But I was I was by far a lot younger than uh, the other actresses there. And then Ashley Green, who ended up booking it as a few years older than me. And she was amazing. She was the perfect Alice. I wasn't upset when I saw it. I did have a moment of like, that could have been me. But it was still such a cool experience. I can't I can't be too upset. (laughs) Wow, that's crazy. But I mean, it makes it makes sense looking at it. But still, it's funny to me that they were like, we want to realistic teenager wait what yeah <laughs> but, I mean, but I am tired. One. they're supposed to be really hot and look older than they are so it's true it's, it's true got it <laughs> that was something I struggled with when I was a teenager because we had like gossip girl when we were teens oh, and yeah. the OC and stuff and I'm like but I don't look like them <laughs> I I had a few times that I would go in for CW auditions and get put on hold for this and that or 
test for it and then find out, oh, no, she's just too young. But I was the actual age of the character. Right? Right? <laughs> I remember there was one person on, like, 90210 on the reboot who was, like, 34 playing 16. And I was like, well, how does this make sense? <laughs> I'm glad. I feel like it's – I don't really watch a lot of um, TV, like, CW TV anymore. But I, mm-hmm. I am glad with a lot of films like Lady Bird and other ones coming out. It's more realistic portrayals of teenagers now and looking yeah. the correct age. <laughs> I know. It's – it's weird because I feel like I'm I'm about to be 28. I'll be 28 when this comes out. But I feel like I'm still at that cusp of auditioning for like 19. And I'm like, but I'm not. Yeah, right. <laughs> By any means. <laughs> like, I, and I, I, get it. I get it from one like viewpoint of when you are older playing younger, you do have more life experience. So you mm-hmm. might be able to bring something to a role that a real 16 year old, 19 year old wouldn't. But then mm-hmm. on the other hand, it's like, but wouldn't you want a realistic portrayal of someone that doesn't have right. that experience? Right. And I've just always found too, like when I am auditioning for something that's like much younger, I feel fake almost mm-hmm. like I'm like, but I, but this doesn't feel right. Yeah. Go to Disneyland more, cause I I, <laughs> I was gonna say I love when I get to play little kid characters, and I probably should feel how you feel because I am already twenty eight. But in that moment, I'm like, yeah, I'm twelve. <laughs> well, but I mean, that's like the cool thing about voiceover, right? Oh, is totally, that you, totally. It is easier for you to picture yourself in that thing because it's a character. It's not like your actual self. That is so true because you know before before I took this break from on camera, there was definitely an audition for oh was it Euphoria? Yeah, I taped. Mm-hmm. Euphoria, and I laughed my ass off when I was taping it because I put on a shirt to try to hide my boobs. Not that that for that show. I didn't know what the show was going to end up being, but I was just like, "Oh, 15. <laughs> okay, right." Uh, I put on a headband. I tried to look as young as possible. And I looked in the mirror and I'm like, you look like a clown, Shelby. <laughs> right? That's how I feel when I still go out for like the 18 year olds. I'm like, I look ridiculous. This just is bad. <laughs> like, I have like a full body now. Like, this just doesn't work. So funny. Uh, oh, man. Wow. What a crazy story, though. When what a wild ride you've been on. I mean, it's really cool that you've been able to find something that really just ignites that like creative passion in you. Yeah, I feel really grateful for it. It really is. And I feel so bad for my friends that hear me talk about it. But it's like, it's really my life. Like I, I, you know, you would go on auditions when you're a kid and they would ask you, what's your hobby? And don't say acting. But (laughs) on top of voiceover being my job, it is my hobby and my passion. And it is what I do for fun. Like, again, making the TikToks and my downtime, I'm still doing either impressions or a Siri voice or whatever Mm. it is. Like, it's just it's consumed my entire life, basically. (laughs) That's amazing. That's really, really cool. I'm really happy for you. That's like so dope. Thank you. I really appreciate it. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, Where can people find you on social media? Yes. uh, On Twitter, I am at Shelby underscore young. And then on Instagram and TikTok, I'm Shelby H. Young. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and your insight into the VO world that I know absolutely nothing about. It was really cool to learn. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. Yay. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks again to Shelby for coming on the show and sharing that story with us. Twilight, man. Crazy times. Crazy times. Tune in next week to hear my conversation with Broadway star Wesley Taylor. You may also know him from Smash, which I have to say is one of the best shows ever made. It's easily in my top five shows ever. 
I had a great conversation with him. That's next week. Until then, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you're listening to it now. You can also follow us on social media. Those links are in the show notes. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your dog. And as always, thanks for coming in. Hello, friends. This is Mark Nell, executive producer of the Table Read podcast, where imagination meets performance. As we wrap up an incredible season one, we want to take a moment to express our heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you who tuned in and supported us on this amazing journey. Season one was nothing short of extraordinary. We delved into captivating scripts that transported us to worlds beyond our imagination, thanks to the brilliant writers who delivered these works. But what really brought these stories to life were the talents of our amazing actors. But Wait, the excitement doesn't end there. As we bid farewell to Season 1, we are thrilled to announce the launch of Season 2. Get ready for more gripping narratives, more unforgettable characters, and more mesmerizing performances that will keep you on the edge of your seat. We have some big surprises coming. The Force will definitely be with you. So stay tuned, stay engaged, and most importantly, stay excited. From all of us at the Table Read Podcast, thank you. And let's make Season 2 even more memorable together.